Welcome to Engaging ESG, the podcast that considers what it takes to get ESG communications right and how it can go oh so wrong. It's season two and we're back for more. Once again, we're looking at real life examples of ESG messaging, some that will inspire and some that may make you cringe. I'm Jennifer Owens, Director of Marketing at Flow Carbon. And I'm Katie Callens, Lead for Sustainability at Adobe. In this 11-part series, we're delving into the complexity of ESG comms, industry by industry. We'll highlight lessons learned and share practical tips you and your team can use today as you navigate the evolving landscape of environmental, social, and governance topics. Let's get started. Katie, welcome to episode two of season two of Engaging ESG. We're back at it. Yes, we are. Two of two. Hi, I'm Katie Callens. And this season, as you know, we're going industry by industry to talk about how they're navigating and, of course, talking about their own sustainability landscape. I'm really excited to kick off episode two with our first industry deep dive. You're taking the lead on this one, right, Jen? Where are we going? Well, fasten your seatbelts because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, sorry. That's a whole bunch <laughs> of my other podcast I'm going to do. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to zoom into travel. Specifically, we're going to talk about airlines, and which is a super hot topic for sustainability. But it's also, if you'll remember, take your mind back, a return trip for us to a theme we considered in season one, which was airline advertising. Oh, yes. So last season, episode seven specifically, we dissected those unforgettably awful oh, Ryanair yeah. ads from 2020, the ones where they claim to have the, quote, lowest carbon emissions of any major airline, but the Advertising Standards Authority called those claims BS <laughs> and into question. <laughs> that and was a technical term. <laughs> that was, yeah, the technical term they used in their own boardrooms, and then they talked about <laughs> after. And eventually banned them. They said, no, this is ruled to be misleading because Ryanair has failed to substantiate its environmental claims. Well, so this time we're going to turn our attention to Delta, specifically its approach to carbon offsetting. So in 2020, Delta claimed to be the first carbon neutral airline and pledged a billion dollars to mitigate all of its greenhouse gas emissions from all business worldwide over the next decade was, you know, okay. And this included plans to purchase carbon offsets generated from conserving rainforests, wetlands, and grasslands, along with lowering the use of jet fuel and increasing plane efficiency. So they were looking at a lot of nature-based solutions, as we call them. And so then in May of last year, a complaint was filed in federal court in California that alleged that the airline relied on carbon offsets that were unreliable. And the claim argued that the voluntary carbon markets are unreliable because they're self-regulated and lack standardization. Not surprisingly, Delta has since submitted a motion to dismiss. So in our first episode of this season, we were talking about kind of using the science-based targets initiative as our kind of sector guidance point. And so for airlines and for aviation, I guess, its guidance was developed by the World Wildlife Fund with support from the International Council for Clean Transportation and Boston Consulting Group. So just to kind of like, who are the players kind of coming up with all this thinking, sector thinking. So, but here's the thing, as someone who's working in the voluntary carbon markets now, so much has changed since this lawsuit was filed. 
including a lot of moves that came right around COP in November and December last year. If you guys listen back to episode one, we talk a lot about these moves. So it's not a moment to really untangle this lawsuit, and they're dealing with claims made long ago. But I think the issue at hand for us as communications professionals is to look at a headline that was on a one major law firm's website. I saw it. It said, carbon neutrality suit against Delta Airlines signals the arrival time of greenwashing litigation. To which I say, nicely turned a phrase in the aviation puns, fully and larder. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, I, who could resist it? I can't. So, <laughs> Hopefully they have like an image on their site of like oh someone of a plane the, taking off. The I plane taking so. off, yeah, as the greenwashing litigation <laughs> takes off. Well, so this case has been huge in our world. So like yeah. you've seen the impact. What is the impact you think so far on the climate, the corporate climate narrative? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting one. You know, it certainly has brought the fear of greenwashing claims, if not mm. actual lawsuits, to the forefront for many corporations and put the fear of offsets front and center. But there's also a part of me that understands where Delta and other companies are coming from in the sense that these are tough to reduce industries, right, of greenhouse gas emissions. They want to be doing the right thing. And so they're looking for nature-based solutions. And as it was noted, this is an area that is self-regulated and lacks standardization. And so sometimes these industries, they lag behind, or rather the government regulation lags behind the marketplace mm -hmm. that has a lot of desire to be out there. And so companies are put in this tough position of wanting to do the right thing, of hopefully having people on the payroll to vet these carbon offsets, but that also takes a degree of resourcing. And so- yeah you wonder, is it better for folks to say, well, we're not even going to try because this industry is not regulated and rather like wait for governments and industries to come in with that? Or how can they, they move right. in sync? And I think the lawsuit that Delta's in right now is a good examination of, you know, a company that's trying to be forward leaning with this and getting their hand slapped a little bit, but there's kind of two sides to this a little bit. Exactly. And to your point, you will not be surprised now that when you hear the Delta sustainability, chief sustainability officer speak, Delta is walking away from offsets and it's waiting right. on SBTI to give guidance to everyone on the mm -hmm. role that carbon credits can play in net zero. So their hand got burned and they're staying, they're backing away from the stove. So this is what she says. Um, her name's Amelia DeLuca. Until we have that guidance, you will not see anything within our decarbonization journey that references offsets as part of that strategy. So that's a wholesale. Right. I mean, you know, you get pulled, you get slapped like that. You're going to wholesale back away. Mm -hmm. And these things never happen in a bubble. When I was doing the best companies research a million years ago, we always used it as positive. It was always a carrot. Like we would do best law firms for women and some right. like a Foley Lardner would increase the number of weeks of paid paternity leave and then they all would join. Right. They're all watching each other. So mm -hmm. yeah, very competitive. Very competitive. So everybody watches everybody. And so now the way Delta's now approaching it, she says their focus is everywhere else from supporting the development of sustainable aviation fuels, which we worked with, you know, we talked a lot about it. Meta, Meta's involved in that world. 
Now, that's one of those wonderful tech-based solutions that has yet to scale to commercial use, but is very exciting for the future. I saw that Airbus is exploring a hydrogen fuel option that they hopefully will bring onto the market in 2035, which is awesome, but it doesn't help us right now when flight emissions are 20 times greater than train emissions and four times greater than buses. And so when I started at Flow Carbon, our CEO did a presentation kind of talking about the state of the voluntary carbon market and carbon footprints and all that sort of jazz. And she pulled out this fact that said that every passenger on a flight from Paris to New York creates one ton of carbon emissions. And I had just returned from Paris and felt so bad. (laughs) You felt like she was speaking right to you. It's like if she was boring right into me, I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) But, you know, of course, you know, it's, so it's not just Ryan, it's not just Delta. In December, Lufthansa, Air France, KLM, and Itahad were all called out by the UK Advertising Standards Authority, the folks that brought you the airline, the Ryanair slapback, mm-hmm. for making, they were all said to be making misleading sustainability claims. So, yeah. Yeah, this is so tough because I do think that we don't want greenwashing, right? We don't want just any airline saying Mm -hmm. that they are buying carbon credits and not really doing the due diligence. But as noted, there is only so many options. When we think about a portfolio-based approach of how these companies, how these airlines can reduce, and you would think that well-validated, well-researched carbon offsets, nature-based solutions, which of there are a lot of people looking for them and not necessarily enough in the market. We can talk about that another time. But you would think that it would be great to not completely undercut these companies that are trying to do this, this work. Efforts. Yeah. But now we're waiting for regulations and, and government and that's going to slow it down. So I guess what I'm wondering here is I'm hearing you talk about these different kind of micro lawsuits and then also what Delta is going through. Jen, do you think that there is any positive ESG story that an airline can tell right now and really not get their hand slapped for a quickly growing deregulated side of it as well? I always think there's a positive story that can be told mm-hmm. as long as it's authentic. And and this is someone, right. and I talking about the best companies, some of these companies, did I like what they were selling? No, I did not. But I mm-hmm. wanted, there was a good story to, to say about how they were treating their entire workforces. And so maybe I'm just a chief compartmentalizer, but I think there's <laughs> always authentic work being done. If you yeah. you truly have a team and we work with such great people that are doing great work. Mm-hmm. So there's not only some work being done right now, but there's also goals to talk about and you can be transparent about the work towards those goals. And so, yes, the push towards sustainable aviation fuels has a long way to go to be commercial. But in the meantime, you can talk about that and being involved in that that part of the, the industry. But also there's a lot of like it literally on the ground moves that these airlines are making. And these are stories to be told. Like Lufthansa has signed a four-year deal to purchase 40,000 carbon credits from Airbus Carbon Capture Offer. So Air Canada and EasyJet are in this too. And what Airbus has purchased 400,000 credits from 1.5, which is attempting to build five direct air capture sites, none of which are operational at this point. But again, we need to get the funding into these projects so they become, you know, it's a chicken and the egg thing. But yeah, the fact that 
Airbus is standing up and taking the lead and then helping others come into it. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting story. Yeah, I think it's a nice story too because it's around the collaboration. And, you know, obviously these airlines are very competitive for our passengers and profits, but this is a space where we see time and time again when companies can come together and say, hey, we're all looking at how to reduce our carbon emissions, our GHG emissions. Can we work together to all invest in a certain type of project or technology? It really helps lift everyone up. And everyone loves a tech-based solution right now, especially in Silicon Valley where we (laughs) spend some time working. (laughs) And they're exciting. I mean, they are exciting. If they, you know, it's it's really a new world that they're building through the, this technology, but they need funding and that's where carbon credits help. Yeah. So beyond fuel, there's also a push to incorporate more EVs on the ground and in-ground systems and integrated services for power. I'm starting to go off into a wilderness. I don't fully understand. I'll fully admit it. But there are all these things and the heating and cooling and the servicing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to planes and the airline industry than just flying. Right. At Heathrow, they have a fixed in-ground power units that have helped cut emissions by 100,000 tons per year. I mean, so right. the fuel's a big wall to get over, but there's a lot of other land that they can cultivate when it comes. I'm making a very extended metaphor here, but to grow <laughs> their net zero journey. Yeah. Well, and I think once again, it gets back to this idea of, okay, what can they do operationally? And then if you have to look at, okay, and of the emissions that will still get released, even when you bring efficiency into the space, what are the solutions? There are these bridging technologies. There are these, you know, nature-based solutions. And I think the strongest message from these companies are ones that include a bit of each of them. Yeah, it's kind of like having any type of diversified investment portfolio because you're banking on each of these solutions because- as we know, it's not going to be one silver bullet that that solves this. No. And having the the confidence to talk about these things, because immediately I'm in right. my head, when you know the done. pushback Yeah, when they're like, yeah, but then they're going to tell us that all this carbon is on for every flight coming back from Paris is all this, you know, like there is an authenticity that says, yes, we realize this industry is producing a lot of carbon emissions. We are working on it. This is how we're working on it. This is what we're doing now. Totally. Well, and then it gets me thinking about this other stakeholder that you and I can relate to, the customer, those who are flying. They have those little buttons of, you can carbon offset your flight. And I, for one, have heard a lot of mixed things around the usefulness of those buttons. And even when folks are looking for flights on Google Flights, for example, they will disclose sometimes like the carbon emissions of different flights And sometimes they are intuitive, right? Like if you have a direct flight, of course, that's going to be less carbon emissions because as many of us know, most of the emissions of a flight are from takeoff and landing. Once they're up in the air, they can build on efficiency. But yeah, what are your thoughts about kind of these programs to offset flights and even try to like make a decision about which flight you're going to take based on that calculation modality? And the reason why it's confusing is because it's tricky. Because mm-hmm. in reality, carbon accounting, and it's like a microcosm of what's happening across the entire planet, which is accounting for doing your carbon footprint and then figuring out how much of uh, how many carbon credits are needed to offset and then a buffer in case the solution you've bought into is it has leakage or any, you know, any of those things that can come into accounting. So just getting the number right is hard. 
But this is a thing. And I believe in it. I think that this ability to funnel finance from all of us and from major corporations into areas that can use the finance to support carbon projects is very real and very needed. And our planet needs it. So it's a lever that we need to pull. And so the best way to consider which programs are real is to look on the label, basically. And that we're looking for certifications from standards bodies that are respected. Mm. And so you have like gold standard, verified carbon standard, climate action reserve. There's a number of them. And they're a sign that they have deemed the carbon credits you're purchasing as verified as high quality. So that that right. would be the way is just to look for the big players. That's an easy way to kind of say, oh, these are real. At least if I'm doing it, I'm actually doing impact here. Yeah, there's an extra level of validation that happens when there's third-party verifiers. Right. And these groups help with that. And those needs and those validation groups are constantly changing, as noted by SBTI earlier in this episode. So yeah. That makes sense. It works kind of beyond airline offset programs too. I'm sure looking at the carbon credit label before you buy. It, right. For the corporations as well. You know, that's yes. what they're all looking for. That's when you're talking about having the resources to do the diligence that they do when mm-hmm. they decide. That's part of what they're looking at. So, Yeah, definitely. Well, this certainly has been an enlightening journey. Thank you so much for kicking us off today, Jen, with this flight into season two of Engaging ESG. <laughs> oh my God. Can we say that every episode will just be puns? Let's just do yeah, puns. Yeah, just a time. couple <laughs> opening and closing puns. You guys can mute us for the middle of the episode, but just the beginning, the end, there's going to be some punchy puns related yeah. to sustainability. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of which, we'd love to hear what listeners think of season two and this episode in particular. It is the beginning of the year for us in 2024. And so I know a lot of folks are thinking about flying and trips ahead. And where are you looking at options to fly or maybe take a train or carpooling? This is definitely uh, travel and increasingly business travel is part of the forefront of many of our lives these days. And we know that the topic of climate and business travel is top of mind for a lot of our companies and others. So we'll be closely watching as more and more employees kind of go back to work and go back to business travel on how these programs are changing. For sure. And we'd love to hear what's happening in your world and how you're dealing with it, how your company's dealing with it. So please shoot us a note anytime at engagingesg at gmail.com. And thank you again for joining us. Stay tuned next week when we shop around for a new sector to buy into. (laughs) And until then, (laughs) keep engaging. Thank you for joining us on Engaging ESG. Have a question for us to consider or a strategy you'd like us to cover? Email us today at engagingesg at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Engaging ESG today. It helps us grow, and even better, be sure to share the podcast with your favorite sustainability, diversity, or social impact colleague. And until next time, keep engaging.